Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Parents of transgender children in Texas are worried about the state trying to criminalize the treatment of adolescents with gender dysphoria. Rebecca Bryant is fearful about the governor's order to investigate parents for child abuse if they're providing gender affirmative treatments for their transgender children. He's trying to scare families, which is working. We're scared. He's trying to get us to leave Texas, which some of us are. The first parents to be investigated for helping their teenage transgender daughter seek gender-affirming health care are suing the Texas governor and the state's child welfare agency. A judge has temporarily stopped the state from investigating them. Audrey Perez is with the ACLU, which brought the suit, along with Lambda Legal. This is a clear example of government overreach and intrusion into the lives of Texas families um, and their kids, attempting to dictate what they can and cannot do to support their LGBTQ and transgender non-binary child. Joining me is Anthony Kreis, a professor at the Georgia State University College of Law. Tell us about Governor Greg Abbott's directive to the Department of Family and Protective Services. So it actually starts back in August of 2021, when a state representative had asked the Attorney General of Texas whether certain kinds of gender-affirming health care for minors could constitute a form of child abuse under Texas state law. Attorney General Paxson came back in February and said yes, that there's a strong likelihood, essentially, that recognized and generally accepted forms of treatment and health care for trans children could constitute child abuse under state law. And then subsequently, the governor, using that opinion, directed the state's child welfare services officials to begin to investigate any parents who were providing these gender-affirming treatments and health care for their children to investigate them as child abusers and to potentially prosecute them for child abuse. I think it should not go unsaid that you know March 1st was the Texas primaries, and so I don't think the sequencing and the timing of this is exactly removed from politics. I think a lot of this is red meat in order to stir up the Republican base, and they're using trans children and their parents for political gain. Explain the legal theories the parents are suing under. So there are parents of trans children who are providing these 
forms of, you know, again, widely recognized and accepted treatments for trans children to ensure that their gender identity is respected and, and their needs are addressed. These parents sued under a couple of theories in Texas state court. Basically, the first thing was that the state's interpretation of sex abuse, right, and child abuse was basically, you know, inconsistent with the procedures that are required of administrative agencies to make rules, right? So basically, the the allegation is they didn't go through the kind of notice and comment procedure. Um, and, you know, what the Child Services Commission did in Texas was essentially just kind of create law to thin air, which it cannot do. The second claim is also very, you know, kind of separation of powers based, which is basically the idea of the state has empowered their child welfare agency to protect children and that this is actually inconsistent with the statutory command that created the agency. So there are those kinds of arguments. And then there are kind of more substantive civil rights, civil liberties arguments, namely that parents have a fundamental right to be in charge of their children and to seek things that are in their children's best interests and that the fundamental right of parenting is implicated here and violated by the state in doing this. And of course, there's these equality-based arguments for the children, right, in that essentially what Texas is trying to do is codify sex stereotypes and force children to comply with the kinds of behaviors and mannerisms and presentations of gender that are consistent with what state officials think people should possess given their sex assigned at birth. So there's an equality-based argument there that the rights of the children themselves are also being violated. So you, you kind of have this smattering of claims that range from administrative procedure and separation of powers under the state constitution in Texas to the more substantive equality and liberty interests in parenting and in trans children being respected and treated consistent with their gender identity. So a state court in Austin intervened and issued a temporary restraining order. Briefly, what was the basis of the judge issuing that order? The judge basically said that the investigation and the potential ramifications of such a prosecution for the parents, namely they could be on a child abuse list, and the collateral consequences that can come from that all weighed in favor of returning to the status quo that existed before the Texas Attorney General and the Texas governor began their opinions and directives to investigate and prosecute these parents for providing gender-affirming care. And so essentially the judge saw that the risks to the parents here by far outweigh whatever interest the state had. And of course, the interest of the children here is outweighed by whatever immediate action Texas wanted to take. It falls short of what the families had asked for, which was to stop all the investigations by the state of Texas. And apparently there are some other families being investigated. There will be a fuller hearing, and I think the court will then address more of the merits of the claims that have been brought by these anonymous parents. The fuller hearing is going to be so key to see what kind of remedies the ACLU on behalf of these anonymous parents will want and need, and that all remains to be seen for sure. You mentioned that both the governor and the attorney general faced challengers in Tuesday's primary, and in a call with reporters on Wednesday, the top strategist for the governor's reelection campaign 
campaign said that being against medical treatment for transgender children and treating it as child abuse was a winning issue for the governor. Why are the rights of transgender kids being treated as sort of a battleground for certain conservative groups? That's a great question. You know, certainly I think that the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services here is being used in a way to turn its mission on its head and abuse children who are some of the most vulnerable children in American society. So that is just a sad display on its own. And the fact that there's smoking gun evidence here that political operatives see this as an opportunity that they need to grab onto is quite telling. The truth of the matter is that trans folks have been the kind of subject of political operatives, or I should say they've been in their sights for quite some time now. And we can go back to North Carolina just a few years ago when they passed the bill restricting bathroom access and keeping trans folks kind of relegated to second-class status. So using trans people generally certainly is not a new phenomenon. The focus on children does seem to be, you know, I think that the truth of the matter is most Americans are very sympathetic to trans issues and increasingly so. The courts have been, you know, increasingly open to transgender claims and have been particularly welcoming of trans students' claims under the Equal Protection Clause and Title IX. So to me, it's just a really strange dynamic because American society as a whole seems to be headed in one direction. The courts have been pretty steadily headed in one direction, and yet Republicans in Texas are trying to thwart that momentum. So it's, it's really quite perplexing. Arkansas and Kentucky have passed laws prohibiting gender-confirming treatments for minors, and those are being challenged. So tell us about the wider litigation over transgender rights. So a lot of these states have attempted to pass very restrictive measures against trans minor care, and a lot of them failed. So, you know, we're starting to see the beginning of the litigation process and these cases beginning to percolate in the appellate court. So we are in for a wave of not only legislation and executive-based action like what we saw in Texas, but I think we're going to see much more litigation coming forward about it. The circuit courts are going to have to address it, and, you know, it's really anyone's guess what happens from there. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business, demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. 
I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Texas passed a rule curbing transgender youth participation in school sports. Is that being appealed? I don't know about that particular case, although a number of states have passed or are you know, attempting to pass similar pieces of legislation, and um, you know, I'm sure that they will be will, will be challenged if they haven't been already. Um, you know, and, and I think again, I think right, you've got a couple of different issues, right? There are the the school-based cases about whether and to what extent trans children must be um, respected in their gender identity that that are going forward through the courts. The 11th Circuit, for example, has one pending now out of Florida. Um, you're going to see the cases that arise out of bans of trans-affirming health care, um, and you're going to see this, right, similar things about particularly trans girls playing in girls' sports. Um, right, States all across the country, including Georgia right here where I am, have these pieces of legislation making their way through the legislative process. So particularly given that we are in the kind of the tail end of many state legislatures, legislative sessions, I anticipate we're going to see a lot of these kinds of cases uh, or you know, a lot of these pieces of legislation or forms of this legislation passed, and there's going to just going to be a, a, an onslaught, perhaps, of litigation in, in the, you know, the coming weeks. But, of course, I think the other thing, too, is so many of these pieces of legislation are, are going to be challenged by you know, individuals, yes, but I think that there is going to be perhaps a strategy behind it because we have so many of these like impact litigation organizations behind it, right? The ACLU, Lambda Legal. So I think there's there's probably going to have to be some strategy there involved about, you know, which cases you take when and where, you know, what venue do you want them in. And so I think part of what we're going to see is a kind of a figuring out um, on behalf of civil rights organizations exactly how to attack these in the courts um, in the most strategically advantageous way. So as far as the transgender bathroom case in Florida, that appellate court may rule against the transgender youth, and the Fourth Circuit has ruled in favor. That may end up at the Supreme Court. What cases has the court taken involving transgender issues? The only one I can recall is the case involving Title VII. So there are, there are kind of 
two, I think, important things that developed at the Supreme Court. The, the Gavin Grimm case at one point, I, I believe, reached the Supreme Court not on the merits, and so it was kind of a shadow docket issue. But in terms of merits-based decisions, the one that, of course, I think everyone does know about is Title VII, the Bostock decision, where the Supreme Court said that both sexual orientation discrimination and transgender-based discrimination were forms of actionable sex discrimination under Title VII. And that's really the big case that we have from the Supreme Court, which outlines essentially why transgender discrimination is sex discrimination. Now, of course, that's a statutory case. So there's a couple of questions that I have given that, right? One is in the, the student context, Title IX, which is a parallel statute that says that federally funded educational uh, institutions can't discriminate on the basis of sex. If you take the statutory interpretation that was employed in the Bostock decision and transfer it to a parallelly constructed statute in Title IX, then one would think that sex discrimination claims in federally funded you know, educational institutions would also apply. There's also a question about whether or not sex discrimination claims uh, will include both sexual orientation and gender identity-based discrimination claims as a constitutional matter. And so, right, there's a question about, well, what levels of scrutiny get applied and how will the court treat that? And so that's kind of in flux, too, given the Supreme Court's decision in Bostock, which, again, was not a constitutional decision, but its rationale and its logic does have some implications for constitutional law uh, going forward. Um, so, so I, you know, I think that's all in flux. And you know, you're, you're quite correct that you know the 11th Circuit may very well rule against the transgender discrimination claim uh, out of the Florida school district, in part because the panel that initially heard it ruled in favor of the student, and now the entire court has decided it wants to hear the case sitting as a whole. And that's really inconsistent with what we've seen from appellate courts across the country, which have generally been quite favorable towards transgender students' claims, including the Third Circuit and the Seventh Circuit and the Fourth Circuit. And so that could also tee up an additional issue for the Supreme Court to have to address if there's a circuit split coming out of the Eleventh Circuit. So I think the big takeaway is a lot of these cases have been moving fairly fast. There will be a lot more litigation, certainly in the future, and there are going to be a handful of opportunities for the Supreme Court to get involved and perhaps where the Supreme Court will absolutely have to get involved because you will have these major questions of federal constitutional and statutory law, which are not being resolved in the same direction among the circuit courts. So I'm very hesitant generally to make bets and wagers on what the Supreme Court of the United States will do. But if I was a betting man, I would certainly say there's a high likelihood that the Supreme Court will have to hear one of these cases in the very near future. Thanks for being on the Bloomberg Law Show. That's Professor Anthony Kreiss of Georgia State University College of Law. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. 
It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.